Welcome to this pre-recorded service for Sunday, April 11th, the second Sunday of Easter. We're so glad that you're able to join us, whether you're coming from up the street or the other side of the world. What a joy that we get to together worship our risen Lord. During the prelude, we have the time to catch our breath, breathe deeply, quiet our minds, just to make sure that we are entering worship fully present. Let us prepare to worship God. Come before the Lord with joyful praise, because he is good, because he is generous, because we lack nothing. Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let us now worship the Lord.
the proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. Let us pray our confession together. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We are deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant, given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, may the peace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Welcome again and good morning. I have a couple of brief announcements this morning. If you or someone you know would very much like to receive the COVID-19 vaccine but are having difficulty figuring out how to register to do so, we invite you to reach out to Susan Neisler. She's our Director of Health and Wellbeing. You can reach her by calling the church office and they will connect you with Susan and she will connect you with someone who can help you get registered. Likewise, if you're interested interested in helping people get registered for the vaccine, please reach out to Susan so we can connect you with the people in our community who are struggling to get the vaccination, though it may very well be available to them. In case you missed it, last week, Tai Chi began in the Palm Center. Wednesdays at 2.30, a group is gathering. It's good for all ages. These sort of gentle physical exercises are known to reduce anxiety and stress, which I think we could all use a little bit of that. 
couple of, of things coming up in the next month or so. We are still accepting registrations for Be Still and Be Well, the one-day women's retreat scheduled for April 24th. It's a mind, body, and spirit connection through movement, yoga, worship, and Bible study for women again. Um, and you can register for that on our website. We encourage you to reach out to Susan if you're going to do so, so you can receive a discount code. Then coming up near the end of the month, we have another Teze service premiering. Very excited for that. The final Saturday of the month at 8 a.m., we will see our next Teze service. And that same week, that final week of April, we have another trivia night on the books. So you can come out and move your brain a little bit. 6 p.m. on April 28th in the Palm Center, that is free. Masks are required and social distancing protocols will be in place. You do need to RSVP to attend the trivia night to Susan Neisler by April 27th. Finally, wanted to announce that the Race and the Church uh, group has set their next conversation on the calendar. They're discussing Jamar Tisby's book, How to Fight Racism. Again, that's Jamar Tisby's book, How to Fight Racism. They will gather on Monday, May 10th, so plenty of time to get and read the book. Monday, May 10th at 6 p.m. via Zoom, and you can find out more information about that on our website as well. You know, at Church of the Palms, we worship together and we worship our God in many different ways. We enjoy our Teze services. Before COVID, we had Wellspring services. We have uh, occasional services to special, uh, for special events. And every Sunday morning, we celebrate and worship our God in the contemporary service in the campus center. And that may not be for you. You may be much more comfortable in a traditional setting like this beautiful sanctuary, but it may be for your children or grandchildren or neighbor. And uh, just a wonderful thing that we have more than one way that we worship here. It's been a great gift to my family as my kids have gotten older and they feel more comfortable in that setting. So we're going to share a video with you now that gives you a little window into our contemporary service. Enjoy. This is the contemporary service and for uh, the tech that's needed for uh, doing this is quite different from the traditional service. The nature of what we do is different. Our, our uh, music, our instruments are different. Uh, what's needed to make those instruments uh, come uh, alive on video, uh, even in the service, is different. When we started cameras after COVID, we had to put in place what would work in our environment, which is different than the sanctuary and our environment actually works better by having remote cameras. We control our cameras using joystick. We have three cameras uh, that allow us to be able to get uh, a picture or a view from the proper angle so that you can have an idea of what really is taking place here. You get a feel for what the room feels like. We also then need to feed sound into that video system, which is done on the mixer behind me. We have words that we do on our video. That comes through on one computer. And then we have the words that go up on the screen and for the singers, uh, that goes on another computer. It takes uh, quite a few people up here to make all that happen. We do lighting as well. So we're actually programming and controlling lights for different colors, different locations. But the end result is that you're able from home or wherever you are, to feel like you're a part of our worship service. Our trust and belief is that what we do is gonna help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want you to be able to worship at home. We want you to be able to uh, hear the service and be a part of everything we do.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your glory and majesty reign in the world you have designed. You offer us freely such precious beauty every day. Wherever our eyes land, we observe in awe this magnificent creation of yours. You are the ineffable one, the great God ruling over all the earth. You must be discouraged, O oh Lord, to see us waste so much of your resources, to see the infighting within the people you have created with your perfect love. You must shed tears over the division that continues to separate your children, the hurt that we inflict on each other. Show us your way, Lord. Give us the awareness of your constant presence Strengthen our steps with the knowledge that your hand is always guiding us. Make the path clear before us with this pandemic. Ease the impatience we feel with the long journey in the desert we've been experiencing. It has been heavy, Lord. Bring back in us childlike joy, the joy that first comes from being yours, that comes from being in communion with one another, that joy that comes from not being worried about what the next day will bring. Make us joyful servants. Reveal yourself to us during these months of idleness so we can be better disciples, as we have less distractions that keep us away from you. We pray for our earthly leaders. Give them strength to shepherd their flocks knowing that you are the great leader of us all. Shower with your love those who feel hate toward others. Inspire in them new thoughts and actions that will promote peace and healing between your uniquely different children. Show us your way, Lord. Give us a better sense of responsibility toward the planet you generously offered for us to call our home, so we may live in harmony with the wildlife that surrounds us, so we may respect the delicate land and water that require our care, just as you care for us with your infinite love. Warm the hearts of those who are grieving today. Heal those who suffer from physical or mental illness, from hunger, from loneliness, from addiction. 
Use us as instruments of your peace to bring hope for these brothers and sisters who are hurting. Give us the courage to spread the joy and the hope of your risen Son to all the people around us so that all may know you. We pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We take time to remember in the moment to come all the blessings in our lives. God has taken care of us, just as God has taken care of our ancestors, and as well as God will do the same for the generations to come. Gratitude is defined as the quality of being thankful, the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Let us be inspired by the Holy Spirit in our expression of gratitude today. The ways of giving are listed up on the screen, and may we give with renewed hearts in this joyful Easter season.
pray. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you most humble and hearty thanks for all the goodness and loving kindness to us and to all. We bless you for your creation, preservation, and the wonderful blessings of life, but above all, for the redemption by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and the hope of glory. And we pray that you will accept the offerings and gifts of our people as tokens of their gratefulness for all the mercies and the blessings you conveyed to your servants. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Good morning. In today's children's moment, we're going to take a look at another fruit of the Spirit. You might remember that so far we have talked about joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Up next is gentleness. Now, when my two daughters, who are teenagers now, were quite a bit younger, like um, two or four years old, I often found myself reminding them to be gentle. If we were with a friend who had a new little baby, I would remind the girls to be gentle as they were reaching out to tickle those little teeny tiny toes. And if we were in a store or maybe at Grammy's house and they were looking at things that were breakable and fragile, I would often whisper, gentle, one finger touch. <laughs> and oh boy, when we got our new puppy and they were so eager to hold her and carry her around and play with her, I would remind them, hey, go easy. It occurs to me that my reminders to my young daughters are a lot like God's reminders to us. When we are really angry and we just want to scream at somebody for what they're doing wrong, God reminds us, hey, go easy. Maybe pause, take a breath, use calm, tender words to express why you're so upset or why you're so mad. Now, I wonder, does being gentle mean that if our team is playing in a tournament, we can't be competitive? We can't be assertive out there on the field or the court? We can't cheer loudly from the sidelines? <laughs> no, of course not. 
but it does mean that if a player is hurt, we are the first ones out there to offer comfort and a gentle touch. And that if our team happens to win, we are gracious and humble in victory. We recognize that that other team is probably really disappointed that they lost. And we are swift to offer kind words of encouragement and praise for their hard work. You know, our best example of gentleness is Jesus. Jesus was gentle and calm and tender and compassionate and loving and forgiving to everyone. In the Bible, in a book called Philippians, chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. I think this means we go out there and we love everyone with the same gentleness that Jesus loved everyone. We start our day with soft hearts, tender words, gentle touches. And on those days that that seems really hard, maybe even nearly impossible, God is right there. He's reminding us, hey, go easy. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the fruits of the Spirit that you give to us. Thank you for the gentleness that you show to us. Please teach us to share that same gentleness with all the people in our lives. Amen. I have two biblical texts for you this morning. The first goes back to Good Friday, where Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were gathered there watching a great stone be rolled to the entrance. And we read in the English Bible version, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there facing the graves. And then they went away sadly. Now move ahead to Easter morning, and these same women were coming to the tomb with oils and spices to anoint Jesus' lifeless body, and they wondered who would roll the stone away. And two strangers met them in dazzling clothes and told them that Jesus was not there, he was risen. And they said, why do you look for the living among the dead? And we read these words from the Phillips translation of the Bible. The women turned their backs to the tomb and ran and told the eleven and the others that were with them.
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words spoken and the thoughts of our hearts and our memories taken away this morning be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Well, you know, it was hard to celebrate Easter this year. We generally think of past years when we had bumper crowds and massed choirs and a festive celebration. In past Easter Sundays, one of our staff would come to the microphone here and would say to the people, if there's an empty place in the pew, move over. Put your purses down on the floor. We're already seeing people outside. But this year, with COVID-19, we ask people not to sit nearer than six feet from each other, wear masks, or to watch on television to an absent congregation. It's been a little bit of a downer. And then we are often apt to forget that even in the best of times, the Sunday after Easter is a very average Sunday. Attendance is way down, generally, in the Sunday after Easter, along with people's enthusiasm. One of my friends at seminary said to his congregation on Easter Sunday, he said, if you want to see the empty tomb, come next week. Well, whoever it was back in Christian history who wanted to name the special days of the year, the Christian year, He must have had a twinkle in his eye when he named this day Low Sunday. At least he understand and understood that uh, human motions do go down. At least he understood human emotions. In one of Peanuts' cartoons, Charlie Brown says he doesn't want life to have its ups and downs. He wants to have ups and bigger ups and bigger ups, which is fine, but life doesn't work that way, does it? Emotion holds on only so long, and we're back to earth again, and life is moving at a very pedestrian pace. It was hard to celebrate Easter this year, and then to celebrate the Sunday after Easter. But I think it's precisely because of this that it's necessary this morning to fly in the face of our emotions and honor the Easter event with calm assurance and joy, if not with great emotion. After all, the first Easter does not really need mass crowds and pomp and circumstance, does it? The first Easter didn't have it, you know. One commentator said, you know, there were not a thousand people standing behind rocks waiting for Jesus to come out? I guess not. Easter came to a few faithful folks, actually several women, who had gone to the tomb, and then a few disciples later on who were told of the event. And of course, the reason we gather here on Sunday instead of the Jewish Sabbath is simply because the early church decided that Sunday, which is the day of resurrection, ought to be the time that we worship. It was an amazing thing that early church did. They disobeyed a commandment. The commandment was remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's Saturday. But the early Christians said that each Sunday can be an early Easter if we can pull it off and rejoice and cheer a bit. Every Sunday is a a memorabilia of the celebration of the resurrection. But most of all, I want to fly in the face of emotions because one week is not enough to talk about life and death. It's not enough to talk about defeat versus victory or sorrow turned to joy. I think it was Chesterton who said, you know, our faith is much more than being kind to Granny and the cat. It's a lot more vital than that. It is deeper than that. Of course it is. 
because it's about life and death and life again. So let's look at this again. I'm going to take two texts and lay them on each side for you so that you can deal with them. Both of these women, friends of Jesus, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, both texts tell us precisely as it is for us in the 21st century. The first scene is Good Friday and pictures these two women sitting and grieving before a borrowed tomb, just wanting to see the stone rolled away against the grave. And we read, they were sitting there facing the grave. So do we all at any committal service where some priest or some pastor says, earth to earth and ashes to ashes. They sat there facing the grave. Then there's a second scene. It's the Easter scene. It's a reverse scene, striking in its turnabout. The women come on Sunday at dawn <clears throat> because this is women's work, something a man might not do. They come and see the stone rolled away. And this is the oil and spice burial detail that's coming. They come and they find that life isn't locked in. They come to see the dazzling strangers who tell them to quit looking for the living among the dead. And they remember that Jesus promised that death wouldn't hold him, would not keep him out of life. And then we read in the Phillips translation, we read, and they turned their backs on the tomb and went and told this all to the eleven and the others that were with them. They sat facing the grave, and then again we read, they turned their backs on the grave. Now, isn't that the human posture in life, one way or another? Isn't that the Christian experience? Let's look at these. First, facing the grave. Our age has tried everything in its vocabulary to allow us to, allow us to not face up to the grave. We refuse to talk about death in the hopes and the fact that maybe it'll go away. Sometimes we pass the truth of it off with humor, except our humor uh, is a little too loud and it's sort of like a lad telling a dirty story in a locker room because it doesn't go over very well. Or we pretend by calling death something else, like passing away. Or we talk about sleeping. Sometimes we even build death as a friend that's welcome and cheerful, except it never is really at the graveside, is it? The sentiment is hollow, particularly when it is a young, the young people who sleep, or when someone whom we love is just on the brink of another great adventure and is cut off. But our faith will have none of this. Far better is the honesty of the pagan <clears throat> who sees the gra grave as what it is, the ultimate enemy of everything which we hope and dream. It's the final enemy, said Paul. It's an enemy to us who love others. It's an enemy that cuts down life and threatens us. It's the enemy that causes us to question and to look at our personal extinction and nothingness. It's the turnstile from which none of us can, can ever escape, 100%. Lawrence Ferlinghetti wrote his poetry not as a Christian, but as an honest pagan. But he wrote it well. He says, the world is a beautiful place. Yes, the world is the best place of all for a lot of such things as making the fun scene and making the love scene and making the sad scene and singing low songs and having inspirations and walking around and looking at everything and smelling flowers and kissing people and making babies, and wearing pants, and waving hats, and dancing, and going swimming in rivers, on picnics right in the middle of the summer, and just generally living it up. Yes, but right in the middle of that comes the smiling mortician. And they sat there facing the grave. Our faith doesn't sidestep that. There's no pretending. That's not being morbid any more than the psalmist is when the psalmist says that man is like grass and he dies. So is woman. 
He adds that positive note to our mortality. He says, so teach us to number our days. As the commercial says on television, we only go around once, so let's live it with gusto. I should say so. Let's number our days and let's decide what gusto really is. God, help us to spend the days as we should. Let's death's reality be an impetus so that we love people and not things. One commentator said, have you noticed that there are no luggage racks on a hearse? Let the numbering of our days, you see, be an opportunity for us to kiss the joy as it flies by, as we love those who are close to us before they're gone. Let this be an impetus to us so that we choose worthy priorities, the kind of life that Jesus was talking about with a capital L. Man is like grass and he dies, affirms the psalmist. That's part of man's mortal human situation before God, who is the only eternal. It is certainly normal and human then for us to sorrow and to be bereaved when someone whom we love leaves us and keeps us lonely. It's normal and it's human and it's Christian. It would be cruel to not prepare you for this. But only then, you see, facing the grave and the reality of it and the threat of it, only then do we know what we have at stake on this Sunday after Easter. What we have at stake is everything, everything. Only after that truth then are we going to be surprised by the next scene and are we going to wait and rely on God to turn the tables because springtime isn't going to do it and lilies that bloom are not going to do it and all of our talk about passing away won't do it. Our cliches won't pull it off and all of our talk about our immortal constitution our faith knows nothing about. It's only our God who does amazing things. It's only God who comes and gives us hope over grim death and who makes us new. It's only God who brings in the dawn. Well, now, I think we're ready to catch uh, the new posture for Easter because, you see, we're saying God broke through death. He defanged it. He overcame its power. He took the sting out of it. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary turned their backs on the grave, and they ran for joy. What I'm trying to say this morning is possible in a very profound sense for you and me to begin living now with the terror and the power of the grave behind us, not just for a week, but behind us forever. I repeat, it's possible for us to live with the power and the terror and the threat of death behind us. Why? Because the grave couldn't hold Jesus and it will not hold those whom we love. Because the God who created us once in a new birth will create us in another birth in a day to come. Because, as Jesus, <clears throat> there is something like a perfect home waiting for us and for those we love. Because, as Jesus, we are loved not just for a moment, not just for uh, an inkling of the eye, not, not just for three score years and ten, but we are loved eternally. If not, then love is never eternal. We have Christ's word on it. We have Christ's resurrection of fact about it. You know, we don't explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains us. That's what we're doing on a Sunday after Easter being in church. In fact, the very existence of the church is proof of that. We don't explain Easter, Easter explains us. And here is what the shouting is all about. The Christian now ought to be able to live with the grave behind him. She is free of panic and fear and dread and is set loose to live life daringly if she will. We don't deny death, we say it was defeated. We don't try to <coughs> escape it. We say this is a victory over it. This theme song is not just for Easter, but really any Sunday in the Easter season. You know, when I was a boy, 
There used to be a soap opera on the radio every weekday. There would be a sequel every weekday, and always at each broadcast, it would be introduced this way. Here is another chapter in the continuing story of Stella Dallas. Now, it's something like that that we celebrate. Today is another episode in the continuing story of Mr. and Mrs. Christian, who live with the story of their life open and with a future full of surprises. And if we could just know the details, just know the details, that is all of them. We could say this is the continuing story of those whom we have lost a while who live on waiting for us to join them in the greatest adventure of all time. Just this wet past week, I was out in our memorial garden looking, looking at the wall there, the chapel, and the names there, names of people I remember only too clearly and with a lot of love. And I don't know whether you've ever noticed, but on top of that wall, there is this quotation from Jesus. It says, because I live, you will live also. Do you really believe that? So this morning, all that's left is to ask you, are you going to live today and tomorrow as if that were true? We you trust deep down within you that life is not a dead-end street, but it's an open thoroughfare? Would you quit waking up every morning and living every day like a weeping willow? Will we finally affirm once and for all that we own no one in this life, not father or mother, brother or sister, husband or wife. They are gifts to us for a time. And when that time comes, we must let go, confident that they are in the arms of our Lord. Will you live every morning at dawn as if God were going to make you new and is making your future open and affirmative? Will you be open to Jesus Christ, not as yesterday's ideal because He cares less about that, but as today's Lord who calls you to move forward in your life with a sense of confidence and with joy? I suppose what I'm saying today when I talk about our lives, our backs to the grave, is really acted out by those musicians still on Basin Street down in New Orleans, where the blues were born. I'm told that when one of their numbers dies, they walk slowly in procession to that grave. They play in that cortege the sad songs. It's the mournful beat all the way to the graveside. Ah, oh, but on the way back, they're playing those horns like crazy, and they're playing when the saints come marching in, and they're swinging, and they're high-stepping, and they're playing it full, and they're playing it all the way home. And why not? They're marching with the grave behind them.
go now in love and peace. Serve the Lord in all you do. Follow the way of the Lord till we meet again. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. May he bless you. May his countenance be upon you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.